to fulfill the ninth season of the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. Did you know that there are over 300 prophecies pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament? Over and over, the Old Testament shows us that God is a God who keeps his promises, and none more important, the promise of a Messiah who will restore creation to its creator. We are calling this season Fulfilled because we will walk through just a few of these prophecies and see how Christ perfectly fulfills them during his earthly incarnation. Let's listen in as our guests share about one of these fulfillments today. Welcome back to season nine of the Dayton Women of the War podcast. I am your host, Bethany, and we are in the midst of our ninth season called Fulfilled. So each episode, we've been discussing a prophecy that was spoken in the Old Testament and then perfectly fulfilled by Christ in the New Testament. Um, Today, I'm sitting here with my friend Erica. And so Erica, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what your life looks like? Sure. So I'm Erica, and I live in Kettering with my husband, Tony, and I have three little ones at home. I have a soon-to-be first grader, and a preschooler, and a toddler. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they keep me busy and entertained and enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm home with them, and I enjoy playing piano, so I help out at church some with that, and play events when those roll around, and I really enjoy doing that. And coronavirus has meant that I've been able to be home more to work on that, so that's been fun. Um, but yeah, we enjoy living in Dayton. We enjoy our um, community there, and I teach um, in BSF. I teach children's studies there. Mm-hmm. I've done that for many years and really enjoy that too. So yeah, that's awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what prophecy from the Old Testament that you've chosen to talk about today? So I am going to be talking about the Messiah as the rejected cornerstone. Well, he was rejected, and then he became the chief cornerstone. Mm -hmm. So it's um, from Psalm. From Psalm 118 is where that prophecy occurs. Okay. Um, Why don't, would you like to read that for us? Yeah, I'd be glad to. So it is verse 22 from Psalm 118. And the psalmist says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doings. It is marvelous in our eyes. Mm, That's that's great. So you, you know, for those who are familiar with Date Women of the Word, um, we like to talk a lot about context Mm -hmm. before we get into any Mm -hmm. sort of application. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what might have been going on in the context of this psalm? Um, Who maybe the original author, author was Mm -hmm. and what this would have meant for the original hearers. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed unpacking the Mm -hmm. context of this because um, I don't do that often for Psalms. Mm -hmm. Psalms, I just kind of think, oh, I'm just going to open it up and read it. So it was kind of a new new thing I hadn't done before. And in this particular Psalm, um, the title is not specifically stated. So we don't know for sure, but it was likely King David. and what's really cool about this psalm is that it's a it's within a group of six psalms. So Psalm 113 to 118 mm-hmm. are the Hallel psalms. And um, so Hallel as in hallelujah. Okay. And so they're psalms of praise. 
and they're referred to as the Egyptian Hallel. So it's really like a liturgical prayer, mm -hmm. and it would have been chanted in the temple okay. as the um, as the Passover lambs were being slain, and it was also sang or chanted in the in Jewish homes mm -hmm. as they <clears throat> excuse me as they would have celebrated and commemorated Passover together. Um, and so, and then interestingly, which I have only known this in the past several years and had forgotten it until now, Psalm 118 specifically was the hymn that Jesus and his disciples sang mm. at their last meal together hmm. in Jerusalem, you know, before he went out to face his arrest and yeah. his trials. The, the gospels say, I think Mark says that, Jesus and his disciples sang a final hymn mm. before he went out to the mm -hmm. Mount of Olives. And Psalm 118 was that hymn that they mm. would have sang together. So that's just kind of cool to think about him, you know, singing that that prayer or reciting that, that, that song and having this prophecy mm -hmm. just being right smack in the middle of it. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. I did not know... Um, really any of the background of that psalm so that's new mm -hmm. information for me too um we have another guest this season who has talked about um jesus f being the ultimate passover lamb mm. so it's really neat to see you know now we're referencing a psalm that he sang before mm -hmm. he became the passover lamb that was mm -hmm. used to mm -hmm. celebrate passover that's so cool yeah i remember just loving finding that out. I think the first time I found it out was when the church we go to now, we actually sing a few verses from that psalm mm -hmm. at the conclusion of our communion services. Mm -hmm. And I just, I never knew, you know, I always thought, like, I don't know, that it was Amazing Grace yeah. maybe or something, which obviously <laughs> yeah. it was right. not. It was from Jesus' scriptures, mm -hmm. right, that he would have had at that time. So that's just a fun, a fun little aside about that psalm. Is there anything else you feel like um, would be helpful for us to talk about um, the Old Testament application of this prophecy before we start moving ahead to the New Testament? Yeah. Um, you know, the the Old Testament writers and the families that would have recited this Egyptian halal at Passover, they, they understood it in a messianic context. Mm -hmm. So they understood that it was figurative. The cornerstone was being used as a symbol of what was of who mm -hmm. was to come. Um, but cornerstone has had much importance attached to it in a lot of different ages mm -hmm. and for many nations. And so its original meaning, you know, the little object behind the symbol was an actual stone, mm -hmm. just an actual stone. It was the first stone that was laid and it bore all the weight in the mm -hmm. stress where two walls come mm -hmm. together. And without that stone, the entire structure would collapse. And so it had a lot of significant meaning to ancient peoples, even beyond the Israelites. Mm -hmm. um, I had read that among the Canaanites who lived in Palestine, prior to the Israelites living there, there was a whole ceremony that went with this laying of this first stone. Whenever they were building a temple or one of their important buildings, um, it was a very serious um, ceremony, and it was paganistic in nature because it involved human sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, there would be the bodies of children or, or older people laid down underneath that first stone, and so they believe that consecrated the building. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a it's a very dark association with cornerstone, but I think it adds it added a, a 
gravity in my mind mm-hmm. when I when I found that out because I realized that the cornerstone has tremendous impact, not only literally mm-hmm. in the construction of a building, but symbolically it is it, it carries great weight with it, which I think just sets us up for understanding mm-hmm. then more deeply how Christ became that cornerstone and the association of light mm-hmm. that is that we know that he is. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, when we approach scripture in our context in, you know, the 21st century as a Western culture, you know, some of these references that we see maybe aren't quite as meaningful because, mm-hmm. you know, m- most of us aren't um, shepherds. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, we don't have a highly um, agricultural society. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the we have to work harder mm-hmm. to understand the depth of um, why Scripture uses some of those mm-hmm. um, pictures. And then, you know, once you do the work, you can see like, oh, wow, this would have been really significant for the original audience. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, looking back at how you mentioned, you know, this, obviously, it's going to be figurative of what we see in Christ, but, you know, a literal, you know, piece of a structure, a building. Right. And we know that, um, obviously, the Israelites had, you know, many, many significant points in becoming, um, you know, a nation that God promised, you know, Mm -hmm. to Abraham. And, you know, we see the, you know, all of these things kind of coming to pass where they, you know, started as just one, you know, one son of Abraham and then they're a whole nation Mm -hmm. and then, you know, but they don't have a land, they're captive and then they are given a land and then, you know, one of the big pieces that was supposed to kind of tie it all together was being able to establish a physical temple. Mm -hmm. So, you know, up until that point, they had these transient structures, and we know that God doesn't need a house, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but he allowed the tabernacle to be a visual representation of right. his presence with his people. Right. And then the significance of finally having a home that they could build a temple. That was such a big deal mm-hmm. for David and then his son Solomon to be able to have this temple. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, fast forwarding to the New Testament. And we see that, you know, Christ is the ultimate high priest. And, you know, I don't I don't think anybody's talking about that this season, but just like the importance of the role of the temple yes. and how even in all its glory, it was just a shell of what it was meant to signify mm-hmm. and how, you know, Christ coming removes the need for a temple mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. dwells with us now so that the importance of that structure to the Jewish culture too, that mm-hmm. that temple building mm-hmm. and what it is built on is very important for them mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I like that you brought out that as 21st century readers and studiers, we have to dig a little bit because, you know, I'm not in, I'm not in the construction yeah. industry. <laughs> so when I originally thought about cornerstones and stones and masonry, mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, it just, it was very much just surface level for mm-hmm. me. And yeah, when, when I really got into it, I just got more and more excited. I, I struggled getting into it. And then once I did, I'm like, this stuff is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason why these writers of scripture are using these metaphors. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out like, why are they talking about stones? Why are they talking about buildings? Yeah. And it became, it just became more exciting the more I looked at it. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, so kind of skipping 
ahead a little bit, where do we start to see this becoming fulfilled by Christ in the New Testament? Well, so when Jesus enters the scene centuries later, you know, he unexpectedly applies this to himself Mm -hmm. as he has a way of doing, (laughs) you know, doing the unexpected um, connections in scripture. So most of the gospel writers record this scene where he first applies this stone to himself. Um, I think Matt, I know Matthew records it and then I believe Mark and Luke do as well. And then Peter brings it up later on, um, in Acts 4, he's being interrogated in the town square and by the religious leaders, and he brings up this prophecy and paraphrases this mm-hmm. prophecy to defend to defend him in that in that scene. And then he also talks about it later in his book of First Peter. And there he's writing to persecuted, um, suffering believers who are suffering under Nero, mm-hmm. you know, Nero's reign of terror. And he brings up this prophecy as well as a related one in Isaiah about the, the living stone mm-hmm. and how if you place your trust and your faith in this living stone, he, he is precious. He's a chosen stone. He's a costly stone. He has infinite value. And if you put your trust in him, you'll never be disappointed mm-hmm. and you'll never be ashamed. And so, yeah, it comes up a couple different places in the New Testament and we see it. So this might be a little bit harder since it does come up multiple times from multiple mm-hmm. people, but um, what what do we see, you know, especially maybe when Christ first um, announces himself as yeah. the cornerstone, um, what do we see going on um, in that moment and then what that, you know, maybe what the reception was by the yeah. hearers and what that meant for them? Yeah, it's a really um, dramatic it's a really dramatic scene. So in Matthew, it's in, let me find it here, it's in chapter 21. And Jesus has been in the temple. He's teaching the people. And a group of leadership comes up to him, religious leaders, and they approach him and they confront him. What are you, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. What right do you have to be here? And so he answers them and he tells them a couple parables. And in the second parable he tells, it's the one that um, you may have heard before, the one where the landowner mm. rents his vineyard to a group of tenant farmers. And at harvest time, he's ready to collect the fruit. Mm-hmm. He sends a group of servants, and they reject the servants. They beat them and stone them and kill them. He sends a second larger group, same thing. He finally sends his son. Mm. And similarly, they, they beat and they, and they murder him. And so Jesus tells this parable, and then he immediately transitions. In verse 42, Jesus says to them, Did you never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So it's a direct quotation. Mm. And then he goes on to say, and this was a very bold charge, um, because he is, he is a, he's claiming to be this stone. Because then he goes on to say, um, therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. So this is a loose paraphrase of Isaiah eight fourteen, which talks about this rock that's going to come. And it is just going to trip people up. Mm. It's just going to make them fall. And it's a metaphor for the results of disobedience. And 
the the leadership they they knew um verse it goes right on to say when the chief priests and pharisees heard his parables they understood that mm-hmm. he was speaking about them <clears throat> and so it was a really bold indictment towards them that if they insisted on rejecting christ that the kingdom was going to be given to those who would listen ironically to the people they kind of despised the tax collectors and the and the prostitutes mm-hmm. as it mentioned just right before this scene jesus directly names them um and also interestingly one jewish commentary i read said that in rabbinic literature it actually refers to the leaders of israel as builders so when hmm. jesus is sitting here saying the stone which the builders rejected they knew they, <laughs> they understood that he was directly speaking to them and they got his assertion that mm-hmm. regardless of of their continued disobedience and rejecting him, he was, in fact, the cornerstone of the nation. Yeah. Yeah, we've, you know, talked a lot through the season so far of just, you know, seeing how intentional the Lord is through his words. Um, he doesn't he doesn't play games. Like, he's not hiding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see Christ verbatim, mm-hmm. you know, referencing something that the the religious people would theoretically be very familiar with you know blatantly saying you know i i am who this scripture is pointing to and just how you know significant it is like you mentioned something that is included in um the three gospels that are kind of set up very similarly you know john's a little bit different um not to say that things that are included in one and not all are less significant, mm-hmm. but, you know, we know that God uses repetition mm-hmm. to get, cause we don't pick up on things mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. easily. So just, you know, just so interesting the, when those things come up, you know, Christ, you know, cause we see elsewhere, sometimes there's, you know, references that are a little bit more, um, vague. You can tie it back to where it happened, but it's not, you know, a very, straightforward mm-hmm. quotation and you know here it, it's not to be missed no you know? yeah my bible actually has it like you know indented and capitalized like mm-hmm. this is a direct i'm lifting this straight out of the psalmist yeah. text and so it's yeah he makes no there's no confusion there's no ambiguity here as to whether or not he's talking about himself i mean he is right. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. clearly saying <laughs> i'm here now yeah and you can take it or you can leave it but if you yeah. leave it there will there will be there will be serious consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what do you personally find um, meaningful about this fulfillment and the way that um, we see it coming to fruition mm-hmm. in the New Testament? Well, th- that's a fun question because um, I originally became really interested in this idea of a building when we were studying through the Book of Ephesians mm-hmm. at church with the with the ladies. Our study there. And in that letter, Paul is writing it, and he's all about unity, specifically Christian unity in this large family that God's creating for himself, right? With mm-hmm. people from every, um, from every nation, from every language, from every people group. And so he's talking about unity, and specifically he starts talking about it specific in, let's see, in chapter 2. And the, the immediate context is Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles. 
And he brings it up here towards the end of chapter 2, this metaphor of this building, to help us understand what this new family looks like. And he says, so then you are no longer, and I'm reading from the NASB, so some of the words here are a little bit um, unique. He, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself mm -hmm. being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's just this beautiful picture. And I'm not, you know, I'm not an architect. Like, I don't necessarily get excited about architecture, but mm -hmm. I just got excited about this. Because if you've ever seen, um, I don't know, like, the most grandest building you can think of, I think of pictures I've seen of mm -hmm. Solomon's Temple, just the the ornate nature of it, and it's, it's just magnificent. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of this spiritual house, mm -hmm. the beauty is that God would actually choose to come and dwell with us. And it goes back to what you were sharing earlier about him coming to Tabernacle. He came, you know, the temple was his special place where he'd come and dwell with his people. But now, in this new family he's building for himself, he is choosing to come and dwell mm -hmm. in this building, in us, with us and he would not have to mm -hmm. you know like he would not have to but he chooses to and so as these stones are growing in height you know you've got you've got christ is just the rock on the bottom and then the foundation of the apostles and the prophets because they brought us the word of god they preserved that for us and they are god's spokespeople and then the nation of israel is, is laid on top because they were the you know they were the first mm -hmm. recipients of the covenant yeah. and then the non-jewish people the Gentiles and so as these stones grow in height God comes and dwells with us it just it blows me away and mm -hmm. it's a personal word that last that last verse there in whom you also are being built together mm -hmm. so there's for peace to be for peace to reign if Christ came and preached peace to those who are far and those who are near for that peace to reign in his church and in this spiritual house, then then we must, Jesus Christ is dwelling within mm -hmm. each of us individually and then collectively as yeah. a whole. It's just beautiful just to think about Christ building up his church like that, just mm -hmm. increasing it stone by stone. Yeah. I mean, it's, I just, I just love thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I love um, just this idea that, you know, we have all of these, you know, representations um, of different aspects of, you know, God's character or roles. You know, so he installed the, the priest in the Old Testament and, you know, we already talked about kind of the temple and things like that. And then we see, you know, Christ coming on the scene and just perfectly mm -hmm. embodying all that. So he, you know, um, Hebrews talks a lot about that. Um, Jen Wilkins' study, I love, she, she has a study on Hebrews, and it's titled Better. Ooh, I'll have to and check that one out. Yeah, the whole, the whole outline, spoiler alert, y'all need, <laughs> need to just get the study, but it's broken down into all of these examples and how Christ is better. Mm -hmm. So the original structure wasn't bad, but it wasn't the end. Mm -hmm. And so we even see that passage in that you read in Ephesians that, you know, Christ fulfills all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we need 
to look to him as the ultimate example of whatever it is that mm-hmm. we're referring to. I like that. So ultimately, you know, we we like to, you know, remind our listeners um, that the Bible is a book about God, mm-hmm. ultimately. So how do we see God's character in the fulfillment of this prophecy? Well, when I think of God as a rock and and Jesus setting up Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, I just think of total stability, mm-hmm. um, immovability. God is just, in, he's an immovable force. Mm-hmm. And that should invite my complete trust. When I was, you know, doing a little like cross-reference of like where all does cornerstone appear, it does a lot actually, if you ever feel like looking into it. But one really cool reference came up for me in the book of Job. And, um, it, you know, if you remember the story of all of his suffering and just his tremendous loss, God is relatively quiet for the first mm-hmm. large chunk of the book. And I have never studied Job, like, in its entire in its entirety. Mm-hmm. So I just did a quick, a quick like, okay, where am I at? Because Cornerstone comes up in verse, thir- or in chapter 38, sorry. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, Job has spoken, his wife has spoken, his friends have all had things mm-hmm. to say. And then God comes in and breaks his silence. And he answers Job out of the whirlwind. And he says, who is this that's obscuring my counsel by ignorant words? Now gird up your loins like a man. So it's almost confrontational, mm-hmm. even a little bit sarcastic, I thought. That was my take. Because God says, I will ask and you instruct me. So it's kind of satirical, mm-hmm. right? Where were you? When I laid the foundations of the earth, tell me if you have understanding who set its measurements since you know, Mm. or who stretched the line on it, on what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together. And he goes on like this for quite a while, but he just paints this, in order for, for Job and for me, for all of us to see the realm that God operates in is so different from Mm. the one that we operate Mm -hmm. in. And when, when you think about, back to my comment about trust, when you think about God in terms of creator, like literally setting the foundation for our planet, for the earth to rest on, and stretching out his level to make sure that this thing is going to stay. Like we just take that for granted, right? That we're, that we're here on earth mm-hmm. and that we're not flying off somewhere <laughs> into space. And so if you think about God in those terms, and then you it follows that he, if he set up Jesus Christ as the cornerstone of the entire global church, how could we not trust something mm-hmm. as immovable as all of that? You know, we think of um, we think of the mountains as basically something that's virtually immovable. Mm-hmm. Like we, for the most part, know they're staying where they're at. Um, and there's, there's a psalm. The psalmist says in one twenty five. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. So, I mean, if we can trust the mountains to stay put, Mm -hmm. how much more can we trust God who surrounds us like the mountains? Mm -hmm. So it just, yeah, I just think of that, that absolute stability. That's what a rock reminds me of. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wind down, are there any last encouragements that you might have for our listeners today? Yeah, there. I wanted to share earlier and forgot that I found this. This is one of the coolest things I got out of this whole study, I think. Um, cornerstone, or the Hebrew word penal, 
it has it may refer to two different things. Okay, so it may refer to the first stone that's laid, mm-hmm. the foundation stone. But it could also refer to the final stone that's placed. Like mm. if you think of an arch, and I had to ask my husband on this one what a keystone is or a mm-hmm. capstone. But when you're building an arch, you place that final stone, and the arch it supports all the other stones, locks them in place, and allows this structure to bear weight. So we're not sure of the exact meaning, but regardless, mm. Jesus said in Revelation, I am the mm-hmm. first and the last. Wow. So that, I just, okay. to me, it was like, I love that so much. I was like, You guys can't see yeah. it, but like all of my hair is on my arms. Are it, it really up. is so cool. So he yeah. is the foundation of the nation of Israel and the church, and he's also the mm. crown and glory that holds us all together. So he, as always, applies to both. He is all. Mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. all in all. Wow. So. That's awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad we had the opportunity to revisit yeah. that. That's pretty Yeah, incredible. I thought that was very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, yeah. Erica. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Yeah.